Go. Welcome to Bangor Marina, which is on the sunny shores of Belfast Lock. Today we're joined by birthing master David Reid and Brian Maharg, MBE, skipper, long distance swimming pilot and author. Welcome Brian. And thank you for the invite, Kevin and David. Uh, I'm delighted to come along today and hopefully the conversation will lead to whatever. That's great, Brian. Again, thanks for joining us. You've been about Bangor Harbour for many years, even right before the marina was built. Could you tell our listeners what it was like boating then and how you got into boating? In 1936, my uncle Stuart, his name was Stuart Walls, uh, bought a boat and then he run uh, passengers and he also done a little bit of fishing and so on for many years. It was just in my blood. I come down as a youngster, I don't know anything else and I continue to boat and continue to still enjoy it. Those are the days of the rowing boats? Rowing boats were over at Lairds, I was there too and again it was quite amazing. Like Children could have come down at six years of age on their own and hired a rowing boat out and uh, there was no questions asked. It was quite amazing. And no life jackets? No, nothing at all. So you, you were involved in helping build Bangor Marina, and, and I remember over 35 years ago helping you place pile markers uh, that when they were building one of the, the breakwaters. Uh, before the breakwaters were built, we had terrible northeasterly gales, which would bring destruction to, to the boats that were moored in Bangor Bay. What was it like boating before the marina was built? Well, it was the whole south, uh, south part of the Belfast Lock when it was a northeast wind. So Ballyholm used to take some tremendous batterings as well. And I can only talk really about the Bangor Harbour. It was completely open. Uh, there was no shelter at all. The, uh, the boats, and funny enough, and I'm very privileged to say this, but I was the last boat. Uh, my crew was Kyle Marshall, who is the present senior helmsman for the Bangor Lightboat. And Kyle and I, and it was in October 1982, uh, we left the harbour for the last time to seek shelter because if you didn't leave the harbour to seek shelter, your boat was wrecked. Uh, if the tide was in and the weather was not too severe, you would go around to the long hole and watch the dolly rock on the way in. And if the, if the tide was out, you had to go to Carrick Fergus and get the boat home. Well, Brian, <clears throat> you've been a birdfolder at Bangor Marina for 32 years. You've seen many changes over the past three decades. What are the biggest changes that stand out for you? Well, I noticed that, uh, that in amongst the, the birdfolders, that it's become really a hub in many ways. You couldn't call it a club, but you could call it a hub. Uh, there's lots of tea drank, there's lots of buns eaten, and it has become really a way of life to many people. There's other ones take it and they want to go cruising, they use it as a base and they go to Scotland or Carrick Fergus or wherever they want to go to. And then there's the more serious and the more uh, athletic types that want to go out and race every Tuesday and Thursday nights and weekends and the yacht races and they again take it very serious. So there's quite a lot of changes, but I think the biggest change is that it's now become a hub. Uh, that's great, Brian. You know, when we introduced this, 
I, I said that you were a long distance uh, swimming pilot uh, for the North Channel. You know, we hear of regular swims on the English Channel and um, some have crossed it multiple times. Why is it so hard to cross the North Channel? It took quite a long time. The first person to come along actually was a lady. That was in 1928. She was called Mercedes Light. And it wasn't until 1947 until Tom Blower, a man from Nottingham, left Donegadee and was able to swim and touch the shores of Scotland. But from 1928 until 1988, uh, there was no lady had swam it. And in the olden days, a long, long time ago, the people on both sides of the channel would have said, women could never swim this. Mm. So it was in, actually in 1988 that I was privileged to be the pilot. And 60 years it took for a lady to swim from Ireland to Scotland. Who was that lady? The lady was called Alison Streeter, MBE. She was just a fantastic swimmer. She was just very, uh, how could I say it? She was just so determined that she was going to do it. And uh, the, as far as Alison was concerned, there was going to be no problems. And she just went out and done it in nine hours, 42 minutes and 51 seconds. Uh, does that record still stand? No, it was beaten a few years ago at nine and a half hours. But if you think in the very first swim, that was fantastic because yes. we had not got the knowledge of tides to the same extent. We had not got the, the mental attitudes where, oh, it could never be done by a lady. Because once Alison had done it, then it gave the signal to many ladies that followed, oh, yes, this can be done. So over the years, how, how many swimmers have you taken across, Brian? I've lost count. I'm, really? I'm not too sure, but I've taken quite a lot and uh, I've enjoyed every one of them. Uh, some have not made it, but it's fantastic just to be there and to help them as best as possible. Yes. You and uh, one of our other birth and masters, you and Scott, actually rode that section of water many years ago. <coughs> we did indeed, and funny enough, uh, it was Mr. Ewan Scott and Mr. Tommy Burns was on the, on the, a rowing boat as well. Yes, yeah. And we done that in eight hours, 31 minutes from Bangor Marina, which is a longer distance to Port Patrick. And the best about this, there'll be some of the small yachts leaving Bangor Marina now that would still take longer than eight <laughs> hours, 31 minutes. <laughs> so cold water swimming, you know, it's really become popular over the last couple of years. Um, you know, can you give any bite advice to anybody that's wanting to take up cold water swimming? Well, I'm blessed where I'm very simple-minded. And the, my advice would be is if you want to try cold water swimming, go down the Valley Home Beach or wherever you happen to be on the coast of the, of the United Kingdom, take your socks and shoes off, go in and have a paddle. The right. pain will be unbearable at the start. <laughs> but if you become used to it, then progress from there. There's so many places now right around the coast you can swim right. and you get lots of advice and lots of encouragement right around the coast. Yes, there are plenty of groups nearly at every beach uh, taking up cold water swimming. Let's just circle back a little. Uh, you mentioned the cold water plays a major part and there's also the jellyfish uh, between the Ireland and Scotland. Uh, some of our listeners will know that stretch of water and we'll know about the Beaufort Dyke, which is about a 30 mile long, 2 mile wide, 
thousand feet deep canyon um, that some marines used to practice in. Your boat had a starring role uh, in a short film about that stretch of water. Can you tell us a little more? Yes, it's quite a long time ago. Now, uh, first of all, can I say that the jellyfish are lion's mane, which you don't get on the English Channel, and that right. can be a big difference between the North Channel and the English Channel. They, they sting more? They tend to sting more, yes, and they seem to enjoy the Ulster Scott uh, connections because they like to hang around our coastline. So. <laughs> uh, the film that we, well, not me, we, well, oh, here we go. Uh, the, the film that I was involved in was called Sins of the Father, and it was very interesting because the, it was set about the mid-50s in the film, and this uh, boatman in Scotland, uh, he was given a backhander by a very leading businessman to go and dump explosives and other undesirables into the Beaufort Dyke. Right. He'd done this at night time when no, no one was about, and then uh, he got his money and forgot about it. But why it's called Sins of the Father was years later his son, who was about nine years of age, was on the shores of Scotland, and one of the parcels that he had dumped a few years before landed on the beach, and the son went over to inspect it, and the parcel blew up. It was old-fashioned phosphorus or mustard gas, and and uh, severely injured his child. So that's why it was called Sins of the Father. Yes, there, there was so much munitions and tanks and everything dumped in that dike after the war, and they're still there. So they're actually thinking of building a tunnel or a bridge over over the RHC at the minute, so they'll have to take that into consideration. Yes. Yes, well, they would have to, and uh, I don't think they could do it over the Beaufort Dyke. It's too deep, Yeah, you know, so it'll be to the north of the Beaufort Dyke or to the south of the Beaufort Dyke, but I don't believe it will be over the Beaufort Dyke itself. Yeah. So all the marina here, all the team here at the marina, are, are volunteers for Bangor Lifeboat. I know this is a charity uh, that you hold, that holds a special place in your heart. You, you've been a volunteer for over 40, oh, 40 years. Can you tell us a little about your involvement in Bangor Lifeboat? Yes, enjoyed every minute. Started in 1973, so roughly what is that, it's up 45 years. And uh, at that time, the Bangor Lifeboat was a smaller concern. It was a small D-class lifeboat, which are very essential. Mm. D-class lifeboats, I would imagine, would rescue more people <coughs> around the coast because they deal with swimmers, they're fast, they're easy, and they're quick to move. And get so, ashore to them. And then get to the shore very quick. So D-class lifeboats are a fantastic piece of kit, especially mm. now. But uh, when I joined in 1973, the D-class lifeboat only run from Easter to the end of October. And after that, if anybody needed rescued, they had to send for the Donegal D lifeboat which only at that time done a speed of seven knots. So the time the boat come up the banker or further afield, it did take a long time. Mm, yes. So I, I hear that you've met the Queen. Yes, I was privileged to meet the Queen. Um, uh, the Arnold I chose me for an MBE and uh, I was really, I was overwhelmed in many ways because uh, right round the coast, why did they pick me? I don't know. But uh, I was able to take, it was a great day out. It was over uh, to the uh, to Buckingham Palace and lucky enough it was Her Majesty herself was on duty that day. Okay. 
and I was given a lecture beforehand, like any uh, one else who was there, and what to say and what to do, and the handshake was a thing uh, that's over now go. And I was, I was instructed to say ma'am and, and uh, all, all the words to use. Well, to be quite honest, Kevin, I went up, and it wasn't through ignorance, it was through stupidity. I forgot a lot. <laughs> so what happened then was that the Her Majesty, I remembered exactly what she said, and she says, now, Mr. Maharg, uh, Bangor Lightboat uh, would have been a very busy station. And I says, well, uh, ma'am, can I say that any one of the crew on Bangor Lightboat is just as entitled to the MBE as me, and why I picked I don't know. And then I got slightly... Detour? Detour. <laughs> and I says, now take your William. I've forgotten his name, was the Duke of whatever you call him. And I says, now you take your William. Your William was out in a helicopter about three weeks ago, and he done a fantastic rescue of Anglesey. And I'm sure you're very proud of him. Yes. And she says, yes, I am. And then we had a chat, and then I had no idea what I said, but something in the audience said, uh, Her Majesty is taking a long time with your husband, and she seems to be enjoying it. And to look back, and Her Majesty was laughing, but I have no idea. <laughs> you must have told her a joke, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, Jenny Watt, who was she, and why is Bangor's oldest public house named after her, and how does she fit into your life? Well, Jenny Watt is lost in time, really, because when I was a youngster, all the children were told that Jenny Watt was a smuggler. There was nothing written down. It was only oral. Yeah. Jenny Watt was a smuggler, and her cave came out where the flyover is on the Belfast Road, which is now built over. There's houses down in there. And that was a well-known fact between children. They don't know why they knew it, but they didn't know it because it was oral. I think it was. It was told to me as a youngster. It was that, told that, to you as well, that, Kevin. That uh, cave came out. At that spot? At that spot, yes. So I then, uh, I then uh, decided that I would write a book for one of my children. And there was no books in the area that would cover a children's book to cover a story about Bangor. Yeah. So I started to write the book about Jenny Watt. I done a lot of research, checked old, uh, old newspapers and so on, and found out as much as I could. I started to write the story, and then I forgot about it. And then many years later, I was told I was going to be privileged to become a grandfather. And I said, oh, flip, I better hurry up and write this book. I have a grandchild now. So I went back and wrote the book, and I'm delighted to say that uh, I've done it. Yes, Brian, you know, I've read the book, and a great book it is. It's a top quality publication, <coughs> and I understand it's a bestseller in our museum and our local tourist information centres. How would you get a copy of the book? Well, uh, I know in the museum it was the bestseller that they, they had. They were very pleased with it, and uh, it's been sent all over the world. Uh, yeah. It's amazing where it's ended up around the world and uh, if you want the copy now it's very simple because unfortunately the museum and the tourist information sorry the visitors information yes, centre yeah, yes, the yeah. new name now is closed and if you go on the ebay you only have to type two words jenny what you don't need anything and up else it comes. it'll come up on the top search so as i mentioned earlier you are one of our longest standing birth holders 
over 32 years and counting at the marina. We've seen a number of different operators throughout the years. However, our core team have remained the same. You know, as we look to the future, and there's going to be a lot of development happening, can you let us know what sort of boat folk means to you? Well, I've been here from, well, even before day one. Yeah. And all I can say about the staff in Bangor over the years, some have come, some have gone, I can say they have all enjoyed seeing people, whether it be visitors or locals, they have enjoyed the atmosphere themselves and they have always been pleased when they have made someone happy. This is absolutely 100%. Okay. And all I can say is now that boat folk, boat folk uh, has now taken over, I don't see any change other than the service is just as good as what it's always been and they're certainly doing a good job. Thank you very much, Brian, for your kind words. And thank you again for joining us today. So if you want to try out fishing, and that's your main activity during the summer months, or a North Channel swim, you're the man to go to. So I know you've got a great following on Instagram and on Twitter. Can you share those details with us? When I do Instagram or Twitter, I don't do anything to make people follow me. I don't put any hashtags. I don't uh, put any links. Don't and you don't do have any. you don't have any you don't follow any people either. I don't follow anybody. I'm not worried whether and as far as I'm concerned, I'm tweeting or Instagramming to three people, and uh, and I'm happy. I think I have about one thousand and thirty uh, followers on Twitter, which I think is amazing because. Uh, what do you say? <laughs> <laughs> and, and your Twitter account? No, Twitter would be about 1,030. Yeah, and, 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 and the Instagram account, uh, there's more and more seem to be, uh, uh, seem to be uh, following me. But as I say... Uh, and the as, name of that account, Brad? Well, the two of them is just Banger Boat, all one word. Banger Boat and Banger Boat. But uh, I'm amazed that anybody wants to listen to me or, or witness what I do. But... Uh, for some reason they do and thank you to those people because you know there's a big uh, there's a big world out there and nobody has to listen or follow me absolutely brilliant Brian again thank you very much for joining us it's been a pleasure talking to you thank you Brian that's great and I'm delighted to get my cup of tea and <laughs> a slice of cake thank you thank you thanks I'm not able to how did that go <laughs> do you think that went okay did you record that David mm -hmm. I recorded it too